Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, April 4th, 2022, continuing our look at Fatima, The Great Secret of Fatima, A Spiritual Light for Our Times, Volume 3 by Father Carl Stellan of the Society of St. Pius X. We will check out the second half of Chapter 5, The Disclosure of the Third Secret. And we are looking at different sources that can reveal, uh, in some measure, the true content of the third part of The Great Secret, or just known as the Third Secret. And this is number four, Jacinta. Let us now turn to Jacinta to see what her testimony can reveal to us in relation to the third secret. Sister Lucia explains that Jacinta was very impressed by certain things revealed in the secret. Jacinta also had special revelations, and in particular, two visions of the Holy Father. What impressed Jacinta the most in these revelations? Four themes. Hell, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the War, and the Holy Father. All these points are present in the revealed part of the secret. However, Jacinta's visions about the war and about the Holy Father seem to go further than that which can be found in the revealed part. Therefore, it is probable that they refer to the non-revealed part. A. The war. Jacinta, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about the war to come. So many souls will die, and almost all of them will go to hell. She always links the calamities of a horrible war with the fact that most people go to hell. We know that Jacinta was deeply affected by the vision of hell and the sight of poor sinners falling like raindrops into the abyss. The salvation of my poor sinners, through prayers and sacrifices, was the whole spirituality of Jacinta. In these statements, however, Jacinta declares how the poor sinners fall into hell because of a horrible war. Now, a war is extremely dangerous for the physical life of many, but not necessarily their spiritual life. Its terrible catastrophes mainly concern life on earth and do not have a direct connection to the spiritual life. However, Our Lady wanted Jacinta to link the fact of the death of many persons because of war with the eternal damnation of many of them. This cannot be without meaning. In her apparitions, Our Lady only referred to the world wars. When she told them to pray for the war to end and when she predicted a second and more terrible war. Therefore, the connection of war with eternal damnation in Jacinta's mind must come from another source than from the revealed part of the secret. Is it not an allusion to the third secret? It is interesting that Monsignor do Amaral and afterwards Cardinal Ratzinger, when they spoke publicly about the third secret, also linked the physical war with the danger of the loss of the faith. B. The Holy Father After the 13th of July, Jacinta is especially concerned about the Holy Father, whom she adds in almost all of her prayers. She even changes the little prayers taught by Our Lady, adding, and for the Holy Father. There was not a prayer or sacrifice we offered to God which did not include an invocation for the Holy Father. I saw the Holy Father in a very big house, kneeling by a table, with his head buried in his hands, and he was weeping. Outside the house there were many people. Some of them were throwing stones. Others were cursing him and using bad language. Poor Holy Father, we must pray very much for him. Once she asked, Is he the one I saw weeping, the one Our Lady told us about in the secret? Yes, he is. When praying with Lucia at the place where the angel appeared, she once said to Lucia, Can't you see all those highways and roads and fields full of people who are crying with hunger and have nothing to eat? 
and the Holy Father in a church praying before the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and so many people praying with him? Some days later, she asked me, Can I say that I saw the Holy Father and all those people? No. Don't you see that that's a part of the secret? If you do, they'll find out right away. This vision of Jacinta is a part of the secret. However, in the revealed part, the Holy Father is mentioned three times. Persecutions against the Holy Father. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. He will finally consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. The third illusion is a consoling one. The first two are not sufficient to explain why Jacinta was so terribly impressed that she adds this intention to all her prayers and sacrifices. Furthermore, since 1917, no situation resembling that described in Jacinta's visions have occurred. With some exceptions during the pontificate of Pius XII, there has not been any violent opposition to the Holy Father. On the contrary, the popes have been appreciated by the whole world. Conclusion These observations lead to the conclusion that Our Lady must have also spoken about the Holy Father in the hidden part of the secret. This is confirmed by Father Joseph Schweigel, who after having met Sister Lucia declared, the third secret has two parts. One of them concerns the Pope. In fact, a very special grave reason must exist for Jacinta to have been moved so profoundly. In the visions, she sees the Pope in an extraordinarily dangerous situation. 5. Structure of the whole secret. The fifth way in which we can gain insight into the contents of the third secret is by analyzing the structure of the secret's first two parts. A. A logical structure. Father Messias Diaz Colo, one of the best and renowned experts of Fatima, writes, this third part of the secret certainly constitutes a precious part of the whole message of Fatima. If the message is a whole, the third part must be harmoniously inserted into it. The third part of the secret must be in line with the whole, constituted by the messages of the angel, those of Our Lady at the Covadiria, and then those of Panavedra and Tui. We should remember in interpreting Lucia's writings that she never repeats herself in the same text, especially when she is dealing with related things. If, therefore, the first part of the secret speaks of the vision of hell and the intercessory function of Our Lady to save sinners who would otherwise go there, and if the second part deals with the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart, emphasizing particularly the disastrous effects failure to do so will bring to the world and the church in their external, political, and material aspects, then we can be certain that none of this will again be included in the third part, Father Alonzo. B. The Holy Father. In the revealed part of the secret, the Holy Father is mentioned several times. The very structure of the secret, where the promises and announcement of chastisements are repeated twice in a row, clearly underlines the supreme responsibility of the Holy Father, on whom everything depends in the final analysis. Indeed, the requests of Our Lady addressed to the Holy Father are at the center of the text like a key phrase. He has the obligation to consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart and to establish the first Saturday devotion in the Church. If these requests are not fulfilled, the Holy Father will have much to suffer. In Tui, Our Lady is even more explicit. The moment has come when God asks the Holy Father to make the consecration of Russia. The fulfillment of the promises of Fatima depends entirely on the goodwill of the Pope, who by his apostolic authority must accept and promote the admirable design of mercy proposed by heaven. It cannot be denied that, in the message of Fatima, the responsibility of the Pope is immense with two possible outcomes, either wonderful results 
for the good by the fulfillment of Our Lady's requests or terrible and disastrous results by ignoring or even opposing them. The Immaculate Heart desires to pour forth into the world torrents of graces, but it is the job of the Pope to start the process by opening the gates. Finally, the promise of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is also linked to the Pope, who will eventually consecrate Russia to her. Therefore, the salvation of the world is in the hands of the Pope, completely depending on his exact and prompt obedience to the desires of the Queen of Heaven. The salvation of many souls or their loss, war or peace, the worldwide expansion of atheistic communism or the conversion of Russia, the exaltation of the Church, or an apostasy devouring and consuming the living cells of its body, everything depends first of all on him and him alone. As the Holy Father is named so many times in the disclosed part of the secret, he must be the primary person responsible for the salvation or chastisement of Christendom. If the third secret speaks of a terrible crisis of the faith, Sister Lucia to Father Fuentes, letters of Sister Lucia, Cardinal Ratzinger, Bishop do Amaral, Father Alonso, how could such an apostasy happen except with the knowledge of the Pope in direct dependence on his supreme responsibility as guardian of the faith? As the second secret indicates the overwhelming responsibility of the Pope in the temporal chastisements which fall on Christendom, it is but logical that the third secret predicts spiritual chastisements, the crisis in the Church, and also their cause. The prophecies of Our Lady of Fatima contain threats, but those threats are always conditional. She never predicts a chastisement without mentioning the responsibility of those who draw it on themselves. It is sinners who go to hell, and it is the Pope, bishops, and faithful who, by turning a deaf ear to her requests, bring on the scourge of communism. If, then, apostasy makes its way into the church, how can the shepherd not be responsible? We observe in the secret a parallel and simultaneous development of two series of chastisements, temporal ones striking the nations and the church, but from without, and spiritual chastisements from within by the loss of faith. It is one and the same act of the Pope finally consecrating Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which will put an end to those dark years of atheistic and materialistic domination in the world and apostasy within the church. This makes it fully understandable why Sister Lucia found it extremely difficult to write down the third secret. As a humble religious, she was accustomed to looking on her superiors as the representatives of God. Now when she found herself suddenly ordered to communicate such severe warnings to them, such sharp reproaches regarding their conduct, she was confronted with an extremely painful mission. This also makes the preoccupation of Jacinta with praying constantly and sacrificing herself for the Holy Father fully comprehensible. The third secret must explicitly mention defects of the popes and the persecutions they will have to undergo later on. C. Calamities, Remedies, and Consequences In each part of the revealed secrets, we discover three aspects. Firstly, Our Lady warns of the calamities that would come from a refusal to heed Heaven's requests. Secondly, she proposes the remedies necessary to prevent or overcome these catastrophes. Thirdly, Our Lady presents the consequences, happy consequences if her requests are heeded, terrible consequences if her requests are refused. The negative consequences, or third aspect, of the first secret introduce the calamities, or first aspect, of the second secret. It would be logical, then, for the terrible consequences, or third aspect, of the second secret to introduce the calamities, or first aspect, of the third secret. Because the final words of the entire secret promise the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and the fulfillment of her requests, 
the negative consequences or third aspect of the third secret are a preface to the final triumphal conclusion. D. Structure of the whole secret. It is not difficult to find out how the structure of the whole secret of Fatima is built. Each part of the secret announces first calamities to come, afterwards it proposes remedies, finally it describes the consequences. The negative consequence of one part leads to the calamities of the next part. It is important to keep in mind that Sister Lucia always speaks about one secret divided into three parts. However, such a unity exists only if the parts are linked one to another. Based on these facts, the following pattern can be established. First part. A. The calamities presented by Our Lady are the vision of hell and her explication. You have seen hell where poor sinners go. B. The remedy to save the poor sinners from eternal damnation is God's will to establish devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in the whole world. C. The consequences depend on our positive or negative reaction. If we accept the remedy, many will be saved, peace will be given, the war will end. If not, new calamities will follow, which belong to the second part. Second part. A. The new calamities, consequences of the refusal of men to heed the demands of heaven, are the following. Another world war worse than the previous one, famines, persecutions of the church, and the Holy Father. B. The means to prevent these calamities are the consecration of Russia and the first Saturday devotions. C. The consequences, in case of our obedience to Our Lady's request, will be the conversion of Russia and peace in the world. If not, again, new calamities will follow, which belong to the third part. Third part. A. The new calamities the consequences of the refusal to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart and to establish the first Saturday devotions in the world have already been revealed partially by Sister Lucia. Russia spreads its errors all over the world. The good will be martyred, nations annihilated. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. However, other calamities are to be added. These must have something to do with the faith. When in Portugal, the dogma of faith would be preserved and other places apostasy, crisis of faith, failure of the pastors, and a complete new diabolical disorientation will be introduced within the church. B. In the two revealed parts, after the Blessed Virgin issued a warning, she then gave the appropriate remedies. As she is saving a large number of sinners from eternal damnation through the spreading of the devotion to her Immaculate Heart, and is furthermore triumphing by obtaining the conversion of Russia through the consecration to her Immaculate Heart, which will be done by the Pope, it is likely that the means offered in the remedy part of the third secret are also linked to the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This seems all the more clear. Since this battle of hell against her will end by the triumph of her Immaculate Heart. Moreover, the means offered always include a request of the Holy Father. However, according to the analysis from Father Alonso, as Our Lady doesn't repeat herself, the hidden part won't deal with the consecration of Russia or with the communion of reparation of the first Saturdays of the month. What could this remedy possibly be? Some indications from Sister Lucia's writings can give an important hint. Several times she asked for prayers for the acknowledgement of the Holy Rosary as a public prayer of the Church. As no allusion about this wish of Sister Lucia can be found in all the communications and visions before, one can infer that this request could be found in the hidden part. This is confirmed in the interview with Father Fuentes, 
when Sister Lucia remarks that God was giving the two last remedies to the world, the Holy Rosary and the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And also the following passage, Look, Father, the Most Holy Virgin in these last times in which we live has given a new efficacy to the recitation of the Rosary to such an extent that there is no problem, no matter how difficult it is, whether temporal or above all spiritual, in the personal life of each one of us, of our families, of the families of the world, or of the religious communities, or even of the life of peoples and nations that cannot be solved by the rosary. With the Holy Rosary, we save ourselves. We will sanctify ourselves. We will console our Lord and obtain the salvation of many souls. Other possible remedies could be the acknowledgement of the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary as one of, main ce- as one of the main celebrations in the Church, acknowledgement of Our Lady as the Mediatrix of all graces. C. As the whole secret is the description of the devil's final battle, and each part reveals another and more drastic aspect and development of this battle, logically the third part will be the ultimate one. Therefore, the consequence of this part cannot be the introduction into a new fourth one, Excuse me, but must necessarily lead to, or be itself, the conclusion of the whole secret. Now this conclusion we know. The triumph of the Immaculate Heart, the consecration and conversion of Russia, and a period of peace. 6. Proof ex contrario. The Second Vatican Council and the dispositions of the popes regarding the secret. The attempt of the Vatican to eliminate the true secret and to definitely suppress it is in itself a revelation of its contents. The general attitude of the Vatican is to absorb Fatima, to adapt it by omitting some of its aspects and overemphasizing others, by making use of Father Donis's Fatima I and Fatima II theory, and finally by assimilating it into the modernist concept of religion. This transformation and alienation of Fatima has been cleverly made, with two exceptions. The consecration of Russia was a difficult piece to assimilate by making the people believe that it's done. The Vatican document of the year 2000 employs strong arguments for this, even making use of fake letters claiming to come from Sister Lucia as arguments of authority. But one element in Fatima must have been totally incapable of being twisted and reshaped into a modernist framework, and that is the third secret. Let us consider some important events in the sad history of the suppression of the third secret. The silencing of Sister Lucia. In 1959, After the interview with Father Fuentes, Sister Lucia received the order from Rome not to make any more commentaries on the secret. In 1960, Sister Lucia wrote that she can't receive any more visits except from her own family. Even bishops and archbishops were forbidden to see her. Whenever she was asked about the apparitions after 1973, Sister Lucia always declared that she did not have the right to speak about the apparitions to anyone without the permission of the prefect of the Sacred Congregation of the Faith or the Holy Father himself. According to the customs of the Carmel, Sister Lucia was never alone, even when she received visits from her family members. From the supposed disclosure of the third secret on the 26th of June 2000 until her death, the rigorous silence was maintained. She could never speak to anyone other than close members of her family. Why such silence on her part? After all the disputes about whether or not the vision of the bishop dressed in white was the actual secret or the totality of the secret, would not the easiest thing have been to let her speak? and confirm personally that the published text really is the third secret? The silencing of the most serious specialists of Fatima, Father Alonso, Father Fuentes, those who treat Fatima normally, that is, according to its official 
modernist interpretation are not excluded. Their books are printed officially only and only when priests like Father Alonso, Michel de la Trinité, Father Fuentes, etc. reveal the true message of Fatima and the likely contents of the third secret does Rome begin to be very aggressive and lose its temper. The employment of blunt lies and statements contrary to historical proofs against the 1960 date for the revelation of the secret. If they think that Lucia is a complete victim of her illusions and visions, all that she said about Fatima is to be handled with care and can't be taken to the letter, including this date. Then why pick out this one statement of Sister Lucia and cover it with lies? Keeping it wrapped in total secrecy for 40 years must have been motivated by a very special reason, because this strategy is in itself very bad, as it leaves room for curiosity, when you want to be finished with the matter, contradiction, everything is allowed, all private revelations, even without approval from Rome except the secret, danger of it becoming known somehow by an indiscretion, the more persons know it, the more they give little hints, Sister Lucia directly and indirectly can talk about it in spite of the imposed Silence, accusations of ambiguity, dishonesty. You say it's not relevant, so why do you hide it? To overcome all these negative arguments and yet not to reveal it indicates that it must contain something exceptional concerning the one suppressing it, something which they could not endorse. An even more special motive must have been behind the sudden idea of releasing a fake secret in 2000, as the disadvantages of such a procedure are more severe than keeping silent about the secret. More contradictions. Why not release such a secret during 40 years if it is so obscure and uncontroversial? Why forbid Lucia to talk about it? Contradiction with all that Sister Lucia said. Contradiction with all witnesses of the third secret before. False statements. Production of other fakes. Impossibility of integrating this strange text into the whole message of Fatima. Danger of the revelation of facts which prove that this is a fake, etc. It must have been considered as a providential opportunity to be finished once and for all with that unpleasant story of Fatima, which now belongs to the past. In fact, the entry into the new millennium offered a unique opportunity to close the history of Fatima and to bury definitively this fatal secret, which, according to Father Donna's theory, almost unanimously shared in the Vatican, is only an invention of Lucia. Indeed, its revelation in the year 2000 made it possible to insinuate that it concerned only the 20th century. The Vatican authorities seem to mean everything has been revealed, the consecration has been made, and Russia is converted. All this is of the past. Let us now approach the 21st century. If there is a point to remember in this whole story, it is a call to prayer and penance. Conclusion What in the world can provoke such an almost endless series of ambiguous, manipulative, and lying activities? The true secret must pierce the modernists to their hearts. It cannot be endorsed, and so must either be silenced or changed. Now, what is it that cannot be endorsed by them? What is it that cannot by any means be assimilated, adapted, interpreted, or even, as in the question of the consecration of Russia, manipulated? What sort of writing, on less than 30 lines, on a small sheet of paper, must make them determined not to reveal it by any means? The answer must certainly be that the secret contains a clear accusation against the whole new orientation as being wrong and utterly disastrous. The third secret must surely indicate how those which the modernists consider as their greatest achievements 
are in fact the worst calamities having the most horrible consequences. If the third secret concerns the Pope in some way, it must issue a warning which not only does not please him, but makes him determined to hide it. It must be a horrible prophecy for him, and something much worse than the physical death, which the official version depicts, but something so humiliating that it leads John Twenty-Third to say, it doesn't concern my pontificate. 7. Reconstruction of the Third Secret The information provided by these six different sources is sufficient for us to attempt to say what the Third Secret contains. In doing so, we must point out that what is of utmost importance is neither the formulation of the sentences nor the exact words that are employed. It is the contents of the secret that are most important, i.e., the following essential points. A. The theme of the third secret is announced in its first sentence. In Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved. As a question of faith is a new one, in the whole message of Fatima, the following lines will develop this theme. Father Schweigel, all experts of Fatima, Father Fuentes, the writings of Sister Lucia. B. The contents of the secret treat of a great danger to the faith. Sister Lucia calls it a terrible spiritual war. A diabolic disorientation will overflow the whole world, provoking terrible fights and wars which lead almost everybody to hell, Jacinta, by means of a general apostasy and loss of faith, Bishop de Amaral, Cardinal Ratzinger, Father Alonzo. C. The first circumstance of the secret is the time of its realization. From 1960 onwards, a diabolic orientation will overflow the world, and even inside the church, a terrible heresy will be established by its own hierarchy. If the year 1960 is so important for Sister Lucia and also important for the adversaries to discredit, one, Lucia has invented the date, two, Lucia admits that it is so, then the events in that time must be a part of the secret. There would otherwise be no reason to formulate such terrible lies about the origin of the 1960 date. D. The second circumstance of the secret is a description of the source of the crisis. This source is the Pope, and the secret is a terrible message for him. All major requests have to be fulfilled by the Holy Father, the establishment in the whole Church of devotion to the Immaculate Heart, the consecration of Russia. For him especially, we have to pray. The calamities announced will fall particularly on him. E. The remedy to vanquish the calamity. The Holy Rosary, which is, along with devotion to the Immaculate Heart, the last remedy given to the world. F. The conclusion, already revealed, is the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Summary. If we put together these elements, the secret, written on a little sheet of paper, can easily be reconstructed, if not in its exact words, at least in its essential contents. In Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, as long as the requests of Our Lady are heeded. However, if the world keeps on ignoring the message of Fatima from the 1960s onwards, a grave heresy will settle in the very heart of the Church, modernism, which will lead to apostasy in a large part of the world. A large number of clergymen up to the very top will lose the faith, a countless number of souls will be lost because of failure and serious neglect on the part of pastors, and especially of the Pope himself, who will push the Church towards destruction. The very same people whom the Holy Father had favored for this enterprise of destruction will rise against him with the most terrible blasphemies and hatred, while the small number of faithful left will die of spiritual hunger. 
The last remedy to warn against this blindness and most terrible chastisement which sweeps away souls into hell will be devotion to the Holy Rosary and to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Therefore, Our Lady requests the Holy Father to establish solemn acts in this sense, maybe to establish the Holy Rosary as an official prayer of the Church and the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary as one of the main celebrations in the Church. If he refuses to fulfill heaven's demands, he will be himself chastised in the most terrible way, and the forewarned chastisements will devastate the entire world. Whoever will stay faithful to Our Lady, to Our Lady won't perish, and she will never abandon him. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. Commentary The revelation of the essence of the third secret is a solemn reminder for each Catholic, but especially for priests, about the unum necessarium. Our Lady teaches her children about the final attacks of the devil and gives the remedies, not only in a general way, as she did already before, especially through her privileged instrument, St. Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort, and in her apparitions in Quito and La Salette, but in a very specific and concrete way. Number one, the third secret and the Catholic faith. The loss of the faith is the worst of all calamities because it makes souls blind to the way to heaven and delivers them into the power of the prince of darkness. Now the loss of the faith has generally always been provoked from outside the church, from heresies or from anti-Christian ideologies about which Our Lady spoke in the second secret. However, modernism, which St. Pius X refers to as the worst of all heresies, their melting pot, threatens the church from within. The third secret is a solemn warning about this most efficacious and most skillful strategy of Satan. It is an entreaty from the best of all mothers to preserve her children from the worst. In Fatima, she gives important details on a level not seen in her other apparitions, exact dates and how everything will happen. Yet more important are the remedies given by Our Lady. They are the expression of the role of Our Lady in the latter times. She is truly our last and unique hope to remain faithful and conserve the most precious light received from heaven, the unchangeable Catholic truth. The rosary is the contemplation of the truth in her light. It keeps our mind constantly oriented towards our Lord, fixes our eyes on the mystery of our salvation and the perspective of happiness, not in this, but in the next world. The Immaculate Heart is perpetually occupied in helping us in all of our needs to crush Satan's head and to lift us up in the midst of temptations. Number two, the third secret and the mystery of the church. Outside the church, there is no salvation. This truth of our faith applies to all times, but especially to the last times. That is the reason why the devil strives to destroy the church, or at least to harm and prevent the graces of conversion and salvation from reaching people. The third secret denounces the last and final attack to overcome the city of God, and in particular, the strategy to corrupt the shepherds so that the sheep go astray. Our Lady insists on the most important role of the Pope. If he is faithful and fulfills her requests, it will be of the greatest benefit to the whole church, innumerable people, and finally the whole world. If he refuses, his disobedience will cause the greatest calamities and catastrophes for the church, the whole world, and will put innumerable souls under the domination of Satan and ultimately will result in their eternal damnation. But it would be an immense error to attribute all calamities to the Holy Father alone. Jacinta and Lucia constantly repeated that we need to pray a lot for the Holy Father. His refusal to heed Our Lady's requests is, to an important extent, an echo of the refusal and indifference of the whole Catholic world towards the love of its Heavenly Mother.
It is interesting that Jacinta's vision of the Holy Father weeping and praying with many people is directly linked to the third secret, as Lucia expressly stated. The church is the mystical body of Christ, certainly the head of the body. The Pope and bishops have the role of leadership, but the church also depends on the lay members of the church, on their prayers and sacrifices, as to whether God will give the church pious and faithful leaders. The third secret also shows the precise role of the Immaculate Heart in the church. She brings victory and prosperity and strengthens the faithful and hierarchy to be her instruments to crush Satan's head and to vanquish all heresies all over the world. But if the hierarchy fails and the shepherds abandon the sheep, this best heavenly mother doesn't abandon them, but calls without discouragement for the conversion of the leaders and gives special means of salvation to the abandoned sheep. She is always in the church and never outside. She always works with the structure established by her son and will always pour out her mercy on whosoever comes to her immaculate heart, the refuge and way to God, be it pope, bishop, priest, or simple faithful. Number three, the third secret and the mystery of eternal salvation and damnation. The constant concern and worry of Our Lady here reaches its highest pitch. Nothing sends more souls to hell than the loss of the faith and the failure of the pastors. The third secret somehow brings all the important themes of Fatima to their greatest possible extent and final term. The spiritual fight, the triumph of the enemy, the importance of the faith, the rosary, the immaculate heart, but before all others, the mystery of salvation or damnation, either total ruin and loss of many, many, or incredible victory and miraculous salvation of equally many, all dependent on the yes or the no towards Our Lady of Fatima. The third secret is a clear and precise illustration of the prophecies of St. Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort. When he wrote about the latter times that Satan, knowing that he has little time, even less now than ever, to destroy souls, intensifies his efforts and his onslaughts every day. He will not hesitate to stir up savage persecutions and set treacherous snares for Mary's faithful servants and children, whom he finds more difficult to overcome than others. The third secret reveals the most terrible weapon of the enemy of humankind, a weapon which succeeds most efficaciously for the loss of the greatest number of souls forever. But the same secret also contains the consoling revelation of her to whom alone God promised the final victory over the serpent, at the end. In these latter times, Mary must shine forth more than ever in mercy, power and grace, in mercy to bring back and welcome lovingly the poor sinners and wanderers who are to be converted and returned to the Catholic Church, in power to combat the enemies of God who will rise up menacingly to seduce and crush by promises and threats all those who oppose them, Finally, she must shine forth in grace to inspire and support the valiant soldiers and loyal servants of Jesus Christ who are fighting for his cause. Therefore, the third secret awakens consciences and shows everyone the imminent danger which we are in of falling into hell. But instead of making us afraid of the overwhelming army and power of the tempter or pusillanimous before the multitude of the enemies, we receive more than ever before from herself the necessary graces to vanquish through her, Satan, and all heresies all over the world. Number four, deeper reason for hiding the third secret. Could it not be the disposition of divine providence that as long as Fatima is despised, the secret will not be published? 
But at the moment of deepest despair, when all the cataclysms announced in the secret will have taken place and almost destroyed the church, when the great secret is about to be fulfilled in its last consequences, the Holy Father, faced with the terrible evidence, will finally understand the fatal errors and diabolical disorientations that have been devastating the church since Vatican II? First, the secret of Fatima will have demonstrated this authenticity by the realization of its prophecies. The disclosure of the great secret will be like heaven's commentary on all that has happened since 1960, the clear proof that the post-conciliar renewal was not only a failure, but the most terrible attack of Satan against our Lord, against his mother, and against the church. The discovery of the full extent of the modernist revolution, with all its consequences, is a very complicated thing. It needs a wide and exact knowledge of theology, morals, of the rules of discernment of the spirits, of the long history of liberalism and modernism within the church. And even then, it is very difficult and even impossible for most of the faithful to accept that this revolution came from the head of the church, the shepherds, etc. However, with the disclosure of the secret, everything becomes easy and evident. The simplest children of Our Lady will understand and accept what their Heavenly Mother clearly announced 100 years before. Thanks to that revelation, they will also easily understand the mortal trap and imminent danger of the devil's final attack. And with this diagnosis, they will be more eager to care for the sake of their souls. Secondly, more than anybody else, the Pope himself will be the beneficiary of this disclosure. Facing the total ruin of the church and being deprived of all other means to save the church and multitudes of souls, simply because almost everybody will have lost the faith, including priests and bishops, he will be obliged to turn finally to Our Lady as the last hope for himself and for the church. What a simple thing for him to turn towards the remnants of the church and explain, look, all this Our Lady announced in 1917. All these prophecies have been realized to the letter. All seems to be lost now. Only one promise is left, the promise of the Immaculate Heart. And this promise is the most beautiful and efficacious one, as in her incredible mercy, she shows us the means of salvation and gives us the most powerful weapons. We can be sure that if we follow her, she will fulfill her promises, even if it is very late, for it is never too late. Oremos. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God, and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand, and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine Immaculate Heart by the Pope, in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope, that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, Mankind will be given a time of peace, and the church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith.
the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. By Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Prayer for St. Joseph. Prayer to St. Joseph for a soul in purgatory by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, reigning in heaven with Jesus and Mary, intercede for the souls in purgatory. Today, in particular, I ask you to turn your gaze to the soul who is most forgotten in purgatory. This soul longs to see the face of God, O good Father. Ask the Holy Trinity to take this soul to the glory of heaven today. Remember me, St. Joseph, when I die. I beg you to be prompt in delivering me from purgatory so that I can see you, Jesus, and Mary face to face. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, sancti Joseph. Terra daimonem, ora pro nobis, in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 149 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, my name is Terence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know and pray for the eternal salvation of Pope Francis. Goodbye, and God love you. <laughs>